Hello and welcome to the DH Effect. I'm Sonia and this is my beautiful co-host Hillary. Hi Hillary. Hello. Our focus this month is on finding ways to inspire our hearts and honoring the journey and growth along the way. So our guest today, you're going to love him. He is so wonderful. Matthew Brackett, who is, I, I'm still trying to fathom this, the 10th of 13 children. <laughs> God bless his mother, sainthood right there. I, I'm bound to that. I truly, um, he left home at 18 on this adventure to really serve in a formal ministry as a Catholic priest and went on to do this for 30 years. And it led him to, oh my gosh, I can't even, Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, Mexico, along with a few years of active duty service, which I think really had a profound impact him, uh, on him as a chaplain in the U.S. Navy. And today he continues to serve no longer in the ministry, but as a coach, consultant, and educator around things like the beautiful complexities of, of just the human element, whether it's in relationships, in leadership, in followership, and in diversity. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Hillary and Sonia. Thank you. Matthew, you have a very personal mission to help people find beauty in their brokenness. We would love if you could just share, what do you mean by this? Thank you, Sonia. I'm, part of this has to do with my work in ministry um, for, for 30 years as, as a priest. And then part of it has to do with my own personal journey of coming to terms with being in Catholic ministry as a, as a priest and that it wasn't the right place for me. But I found that through the window of brokenness and pain. And I like to sometimes when I talk about pain, I like to say that I befriended pain at a very difficult point in my life. And it led me to a lot of clarity and a lot of answers. But that's not a happy place to be. And I want to also be clear about that because <laughs> pain is not is not a, it's not enjoyable for us as human beings, right? Even the term brokenness, a lot of in our society, you know, we, there can be a lot of um, maybe difficulty with that word because we're sort of caught in between. We all want to be perfect, right? This tendency of wanting to see ourselves as, as perfect. But then there's also the reality or the ex human experience of that, of we call it brokenness today. Some people call it sin. Some people call it our human condition. Some people call it woundedness, human fragility, that there's something in the human experience that um, needs to be paid attention to. And I think, and that's what we're calling brokenness today. And it's the beauty of the pain and brokenness, it, it speaks to us. And when we listen to that, I know I've sort of gone off topic, but when we listen to that, we can find a lot of truth about life and about ourselves. So going back to your question, Sonia, was I in, in ministry, you deal with, with that condition of the human being on a daily basis, right? And whether it be difficult, you also, you also deal with the, the beauty and, the, and the, not only the beauty, but the joys of, of life of, of people every day. So you're sort of caught in between the highs and lows constantly. But a lot of in the lows is when people reach out to talk to someone. And I was in that sacred space oftentimes of where people would open their hearts and their lives to me. And I always saw that as so beautiful because they were living in the difficult truth of their life. And that truth was bringing them clarity. Right? So when, they, when you sit, what I called pain before, when we sit in that pain, um, it brings us, it can bring us to, to clarity. It can help us rise up, as they say, the phoenix from the ashes. Mm -hmm. But also as human beings, and when we don't sit 
you know, we because we want to escape pain, we, we, it's very uncomfortable for us to sit there. So we 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 look to kind of put it into a closet, put it under the carpet or whatever it is, and and not deal with it. And that sometimes comes back to uh, to bite us, right? We're hoping it will disappear, but it comes back to bite us. And so that's going down to my experience. That was sort of my experience for years. I was in ministry and so many, again, so many beautiful things about, about Catholic priesthood and in ministry. Um, but I also, there was a, a lingering discontent and, and pain inside of me that went on for years and years. And I tried to shut it off, you know, or not deal with it or figure just kind of, or look to the lens that, well, then I got, I got to figure stuff out. I have to, I'm the problem. Um, but maybe it was also, but the context of the situation. So there's very, a lot of levels to this. And it brought me to um, very dark places. I was, um, you know, in depression, anxiety, and confusion, really a, person, um, a crisis of identity, and, and really just not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember a specific moment in my life when, when sort of all this came to, to a front and, and I had to deal with it. And it was sort of an, a very dramatic moment in my life. And, and I, I say, when I write about that, I, I had avoided pain for so long and this time I befriended pain and pain began to walk with me or my brokenness began to walk with me and that brokenness then began to be transformed into wholeness. I, I'm settling, you know, I'm hearing words of befriend, beauty, sacred in this, when the, the main thing is pain and vulnerability and emptiness and brokenness yet surrounded by this and what you found was these beautiful these other things like so many of us want to run away from it we shudder we want to be numb we want to run out you know um and yet you you have found a way for to walk alongside fear and pain and vulnerability and i'm i know that our listeners and viewers and, and ourselves what was that transformation like how did you cross that boundary of i sit here with you pain i sit here with you brokenness yeah i do, as i look back I'm, I'm i don't know how i did it but it was i suppose it was some people call it courage and just being able to lean into it and i thought of I, there was a, i also saw it as if i don't do this i'm not going to find my answers and i'm going to continue to live in a certain type of blindness mm-hmm. or denial and so I said, um, through honesty, through leaning into this and sitting with pain or brokenness, I can find um, clarity. I can see again. Mm-hmm. I can find wholeness. I can find healing. Um, there's an image that comes came, comes to mind, and you've probably come across this on the internet. It's very common. Where it's a Japanese tradition about um, where they have broken bowls, and it's sort of a legend, a Japanese legend, right? The, and they call it kintsugi now. And they use it for therapy for trauma, right? It's where they have a broken bowl. And the legend was that then someone put the bowl back together and they used something of, that was gold to sort of glue it together. And so all of a sudden that gold highlighted all the cracks and made it so beautiful, right? And that's kind of going back to the beauty of our brokenness. And now they use that as a therapeutic practice for people that have gone through trauma. So for me, it was just, it was putting that bowl back together and learning to to value um, the cracks and, and to bring that in, into wholeness. And one last thing on this is, is I just see that, that dealing with this honesty and truth, I think it, it sets us free. 
right, when we deal with it. And, you know, when I worked with young Marines as a Navy chaplain, it was, again, there's a lot we could talk about there, but this, it was, and I was using the example of a lot of us, because our human, our human condition, we want to put difficulties and challenges and, you know, we want to put it into the closet, right? And there's some difficulties or, or brokenness or that whatever, that when we put them into darkness and we leave them there, they grow. Right. And we need to bring them out into the light. And so part of that, you know, we're going to therapy, going to talking to someone, dealing with something that's it's bringing it into the light. And when we bring something into the light, then it loses its power over us. So I'm sort of simplifying my story. But so I, I went, you know, I was in four months in, in clinical um, inpatient care. Right? And then I, I took a year off from ministry. It was and that was sort of a journey of coming home to myself of finding my identity again. And that wasn't that sort of stepped away from the identity of being of being priest, being the minister, being this, being that for people, but going back to well, who's who's Matthew Brackett, and um, who's the Matthew Brackett that's going to keep going forward in life, and and that you know my relationship with the divine, with my higher power, with God, that that had to also be adapted through that whole process. There was a lot a lot of levels to what what went on. It's so beautiful. I want to applaud you for your courage. And it's something so much of what you are saying is just another beautiful way of saying some of some of the things we often talk about with our themes here in, you know, when the titles are all um, changing and transforming and you're no longer a priest or you're no longer a mother or the mother leaves that the children leave the home or the job you get fired from or any of these things. when that's what we've been attached to. We can really we can lose who we are, but when we come back to anchoring ourselves in who we are at the core, at a heart level, at a soul level, then we always can find ourselves again. And I, I the courage it takes, especially as a man, I think in today's society, um, in fact, one of my son's very, very good friends, um, who's a 20 year old, just launched a photography project highlighting what it looks like to be a man with mental health issues, because you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be. And you know what? The strong thing is getting help. The strong thing is asking for something to help heal you because going out in the world unhealed and hurting others because you're hurt mm-hmm. you know, doesn't work. Um, and I, I wanted to, first of all, um, Sonia is probably grinning from ear to ear because she knows I use the Japanese bowl. Um, it's one of my favorite analogies. And in fact, they have, they have examples at the Getty and they are absolutely gorgeous and beautiful and stunning. Uh, and also I think a mosaic is another thing, like in my own life for that clarity, that's something I've thought about at those moments because we all felt it. Like if anybody is like, Oh, those guys are, they're doing a podcast. They must always have it together. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> but we're willing to admit that and we're willing to work on it. And so I look at the broken pieces in my life are what have created the beautiful picture. Like in the picture mm-hmm. only becomes clear once you put those broken pieces together and lay them out. And sometimes there's gold that stitches them together. And sometimes there's a little black line that stitches them together, but they become stitched together. And then the picture becomes so clear and gorgeous and able to be celebrated and shines in the light, like you said, Matthew. So I just really... I hope if anyone out there is listening and struggling, that it is nothing to be ashamed of. It is nothing that we should look at ourselves and feel um, the brokenness is beautiful. You are not broken, right? Right. I think it's and it's the beauty. I suppose the beauty is in how we deal with our brokenness. 
yeah. Broken, brokenness doesn't feel beautiful. Right? No. It doesn't necessarily look beautiful. But it's the beauty is really in how we deal with it. So I, the, the call took courage to, um, to face it. And, and this brings me back to a small excerpt from a poem that I wrote to the Marines on my way out of active duty. It's much longer, but there's one part that says, honor your tear, have no fear. Courageously let it fall, face your truths, face them all, commit to hear the meaning that a single tear is concealing. That's it from a poem called The Tear of a Marine. Which again, going back to that, you know, Marines are taught that they have to, they have to have it all together, they have to be strong, that weakness is an enemy, right? And or difficulty or just, you know, and then the male, you know, the male figure as well, where and then, but then there's people that are in positions of leadership, whatever it is. And so we all, if I can be honest, we all have to, we sort of live behind the facade, right? <laughs> we all have to put this mask on, but it's, uh, it's important to take it off uh, and to be able to, to, to deal with, the, with reality. And um, yes, go ahead. I, I just want to say, I took the time, um, anyone who wants the full um, poem, you follow Matthew Brackett's uh, YouTube channel because your, uh, your poems there, uh, one of the lines that really struck me was a tear is a language so refined that words cannot make up their mind. And my husband went to, uh, went to boot camp at 18, uh, found himself from Southern California to uh, Great Lake, Chicago <laughs> in January. Um, and he, and, and this is before he had, we had tools to communicate. Uh, this is where sale mail was the only way to communicate. And the most, uh, isolating feeling he's ever had where he would lay at night after such grueling days at boot camp only two and a half months but man is it do they know how to how to how to tear things apart and rebuild and he would say at night he would hear tears crying moaning wailing and that night was so enduring for him and then to get up back up and start the day over and I you know, that's my, my connection with like, you know, you were there, like you are there all the time for all the tears mm -hmm. being chaplain and um, the, the courage to, to fulfill that, that duty of service and honoring the tear times a thousand, <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, how powerful that is and how powerful that poem is. Thank you for sharing you. that with the world. No, thank you, Sonia. It is, as again, going back to chaplaincy, it's such a, to be able to sit in that sacred space, right, in, of people's lives. And again, it's the chap, military chaplaincy is very, it's very intense because there's, it's a mass of humanity, right? It's so where I worked, there was about four to 5,000 people, right? And I was their chaplain, you know? And so it's, and you never know what uh, you people, what's your day like? Like, I can't tell you what my day is. <laughs> my day is different every day. You never know what's, right? And it's people, you know, when we going back to the broken, when it's sort of like when we feel like we're on a, we hit a dead end, right? that's when we start thinking. I mean, that's where depression, anxiety, heart, you know, in, in a career, in any career, that's also where you feel like, well, people start to, that's where suicidal ideation comes in, right? And we can all come to what seems to be a dead end in our road, right? And, but the, the important thing and the beauty is to try to take the bricks out of that wall. And realize that there's so many paths on the other side but the human experience is that when we're at a wall at a dead end that's our human experience is that this is a wall this is a dead end there's no hope and that's when people start thinking about other options or they turn to behaviors that can be destructive and um, 
but again, in my day, it was, you know, whether it was suicidal ideation or dealing with people that were, or suicide attempts, again, I'm getting a bit dramatic. The normal stuff was just, you know, what's going on at home, what's going on in my life, a lot of relationship stuff, because um, of how important relationships are in our lives. And when relationships go well, it's a piece of heaven. And when relationships don't go well, it's it's a little piece of hell, right? So people going through that, whether it be with leadership or whether it be romantic relationships, and um, People that I had the opportunity, and it was and this was very common, is that when I, when Marines or sailors would, would I would enter into their lives, it was the first time that they were talking about abuse from their past. It was the first time that they had sort of the maturity and the space to be able to think about it and start dealing with it. Yeah. Um, or tragedy that they had to face of, of losing a sibling in a very dramatic and tragic accident, things like that, or abuse at home or whatever it is. Um, um, and then, you know, think other things would happen on base where people would make poor decisions, you know, in their relationship with alcohol, right, or a relationship with aggression and anger, right, or um, in the sad, the very sad scenarios of dealing with sexual assault and dealing with kind of both parties, right, on, on both ends. It's a very unique window into life and into the world and to, and to be able to be there. So I felt so privileged. You know, I have... I have a question for you I'd love to ask, um, and then I do want to make sure that we get to some of your thoughts and maybe words of, of wisdom or ways that people can start to um, transform their own lives. I know we're, we're just a podcast and it's a show, so that's a big, tall order. But, you know, I found myself wondering as you've been talking and I look back and see, you know, you were in Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, Mexico, and then this, this U U.S. Navy chaplain as well, where you also serve for the Marines. Such diverse, different people and experiences. Did you find that the people who came to you or the, the relationship, the human condition was different in each of those places? Or did you really find that the same sorts of pains were showing up and coming to you? Thank you, Hillary. I've, I found that overall, you know, even though cultures change, in the end, my conclusion was that the human person, even maybe in different scenarios, but the human person is the same everywhere and the human challenges and difficulties. Right? They can take on different different colors or different sort of sort of guises, right? And because of cultural nuances, but um, but in the end, the human being and I, the human being is beautiful. Wherever I went, there's the 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 beauty of the human person. And going back to my experience as a priest is, and, and sitting in the confessional, and that's always fascinating for people. I can't get into specifics, right? But for me, it was always that was when I saw the beauty of the human person at their best. Right? It was when they were dealing with their truth. Right, and then sort of finding reconciliation with themselves and with the community through 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 the through confession. And people could think, you know, in before I was a priest, you know, when I would go to confession, I would, I always felt, you know, I, I don't know, I was like, you talk, you're talking about your problems when you go, you talk about what's the darker side of of, of life. But when I sat on the other side, I said, this, I first of all, it helped me realized that I was normal. <laughs> so my difficulties and challenges with that's what everyone went through. So it was very affirming in that sense. But it was also I said, this is this is when I can, it's a window where I can contemplate the beauty of the human person. 
I know, I know I haven't answered your question. How can we sort of, what steps can we take towards supporting people or towards, and I, part of it, there's no, I have no magical formula for it, but it's, I think leaning into it, stepping into it, dealing, it's very uncomfortable. And the, you know, what, what oftentimes you bring up in your podcast about vulnerability, it's a, it's a big word nowadays, it's, people love to use it, but it's very difficult to be vulnerable. Right. So we need to find a space, obviously, where there's confidence, where there's trust and where there's confidentiality, where we can deal with whatever hurt, brokenness, difficulty that, that we're going through or that we went through in life. Right. Take something out from under the carpet, take it out of the closet and begin to deal with it. And there's the people will always experience it as liberating, as freeing and as clarifying. And that was always oftentimes my sessions. Of, I just listen. Right? And occasionally you say something, but it was so funny. People would walk away and say, thank you so much for that. And I was like, I, did, I just listened. But it was, people found a space where there was confidentiality, where there was trust and confidence and where they could, because that's how we process as human beings is through words, right? We take our sort of everything that's sort of crumpled up inside of our, our heart and mind, and we begin to make sense of it and we take ownership of it through expression, whether that be through writing, whether that be through speaking with someone else. And when we hear ourselves say something and you, you know, you would experience this is when you've said something in your life and you start to cry, right? It's because by paying, making an emotion more real through words and you take ownership of it and it becomes, and it, and it can really rock your boat. And so you begin to cry. That's an example, right, of, of just of that process. So I think just doing that, and, but you need to find the right person, right, the right space to be able to do that. And, you know, we have friends, we have family, we have um, acquaintances, we have people at work. Sometimes none of those people are the right people to deal with deeper things. And that's no offense against all of them, but there's, there's other types of dynamics in those relationships. There's other things that we have to protect. But when we have a neutral space, and that's really where someone is there just for us with no agenda and no other emotional sort of connections that they have to protect. And that can be a very safe space to, to talk about stuff. And, and I just, I'm so resonating because you know part of the pillars of the DH effect is that self-awareness, but then there's trust. And, and you really hit the, the trust point, you, you know, finding, building trust, becoming trustworthy that also takes work you know i even though i'm self-aware to to be vulnerable i need a an environment where there there is trustworthiness right there's it's shared and um that relationship is really that how we build upon that and finding that space that you provide where someone can come in and they just see you and they trust you and they can kind of peel back those layers and then that third pillar for us is that belonging because they do need, we do need people. We can't just do this by ourselves. We can't be like, okay, well, I'm self-aware. I trust myself and I shall belong just to myself. <laughs> we don't solve problems that way. We really do need to reach out, like you said, in these communities and these pods and there's specific, specific purposes and intentions with each of these people. And it's amazing. And I'm so grateful that you are there for those who really need to seek that space, that, that trusting space to be vulnerable and then belong to each other. And that would be with you. And um, I would love to turn it to then this exhale. And for this month, we're really talking about, is there a celebration there? Uh, how, 
what would you say like in that brokenness, how can we celebrate? How can we inspire within our own spirits? Is there, is there a space for that? Of, of course, I mean, my simple answer would be, of, of course. And it, but again, it's through the human experience. My, I'm someone that I was, I was dealing with over the last few months, someone, a personal client um, going from tragedy into just over the last two months, finding themselves at a much more whole place right, in their relationship, in their marriage, in their personal life. Right? But it was all started by, by a crisis, right? And that's a whole other topic that I like to talk about, right? Crisis can produce a lot of growth, right? but crisis is difficult. So in, in this individual, celebrate, right? but it's the human experience and everyone celebrates in a different way. But again, it's that sensation of, I, I have more clarity, there's more freedom, there's more truth, there's, um, I've taken ownership of my life um, in, in a greater way. Um, and then there's different ways to celebrate that. I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's I think that's important to hear is that when we think of celebration or inspiring, it's not fireworks. It doesn't always, have, you know, that's that's not what it looks like in many cases. And in many cases, it's a big acknowledgement that I have grown. That right. the, you know, back to your beginning when you said I befriended pain. Oh my God! Just saying that statement is so powerful, like that is a celebration to even say that and claim it. Um, and I think that it's important to hear. I don't know, Hillary, if you have something to add. No, yeah, I just was going to say, I mean, I think the celebration and the inspiration is, you know, inspiration is really a breathing, right? And, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm imagining throughout this conversation is this, this breath, I felt myself do that a few times because it is, that is the honoring of the spirit, that, that ability to just release some of those things that are weighing us down to feel lighter um, and telling the story and having somebody hold that story is an honoring of the sacred in and of itself. And that's something I have to say, the thing that's really coming to me as I listen to you, Matthew, is the word love, because it's just so funny how things happen in life at a certain time. And last night I was on a walk and had a call from uh, one of my one of my good friends who's a millennial guy. And he asked me what he loves to ask me these like big questions. And then he says, play with my brain. And so um, the word what, what he said, what is love? What does love mean to you? And he gave me his definition. And I said, I thought about it for a minute and here I am almost 50. And I said, I think it means safety. Mm -hmm. I, when I think of love, I think safe and I think um, home and I think acceptance and it's, it's like this thing that surrounds you and holds you and you know it's not going to let you fall. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I feel from you, Matthew, that you have been there for so many people and now are, are shifting and doing it in another way and are providing a loving, safe space for others to be able to come and, and a sacred space to hold the stories and help bring them to beauty and clarity. I know that our, our people out there are going to want to connect with you, listen to you, maybe set up a coaching time with you. How can they find you, Matthew? They can find me through, uh, right now through LinkedIn. That would probably be the easiest way to find me. I will have a website at some point over the next few months that specify more of the services that I offer. I do a lot of work around the human element, and especially for people in leadership positions, but also for couples that are in committed relationships. Um, 
um, whether it be individual, whether it be group, um, also offering training and education around certain aspects of, of life, leadership, diversity, things like that. Excellent. So before we end, I just want to make sure, thank you so much for your service to our country. Um, and then thank you for just extending that to the civilian world, to just everyone now. You're, you're continuing that service um, toward, to humanity. I'm just so grateful for you. And um, any last thoughts before we have to close our show today? Thank you, Sonia. Thank you, Hilary. Thank you very much for having me here with the decided heart. Awesome. One last word has come from um, a book from Ernest Hemingway. Uh, Farewell to Arms, where he writes, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong in their broken places. Yeah. So we wow. can close with that and the beauty of our brokenness. But thank you. Amazing. Well, thank you everyone to our listeners and viewers for joining us for this episode. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. We are going to have Matthew's links also posted. So you'll be able to find him on LinkedIn. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube so you never miss an episode. Check out our website, thedheffect.com, for more great opportunities to learn how to be clear with boundaries and also celebrate and inspire the spirit within us and the sense of belonging, the sense of trust. Until then, Hillary. May you have the courage to live with a decided heart.